my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Eric Brakey. Uh, we discussed the uh, horrific school shooting that happened yesterday in Texas, um, the response from the Democrats, and what we could actually be doing uh, to prevent these tragedies in the future. Uh, we talked about the freak show, that is the World Economic Forum, um, and, and a bunch of other stuff. I think you guys will uh, enjoy it. Before I get to Eric, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe. If you are an iTunes user, please take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I would really appreciate that. And if you like the podcast and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. Right, without further ado, the great Eric Brakey. All right, guys, we're here at the great Eric Brakey. Eric, how you been, man? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So we have a ton to get to, as always. But before we uh, before we get to everything, how's uh, how's the campaign going, brother? How's uh, the campaign trail treating you? Boy, it's uh, it's nice to be back in a world where we can go out and knock doors and talk to our neighbors without it being, you know, controversial. <laughs> uh, right. No, I'm. Uh, I'm, the campaign for state senate's going very well. I'm out knocking doors, talking to voters. It's a big swing district in Maine, but. It's a seat that I've won twice in the past, and uh, earlier this week uh, we announced uh, that Senator Rand Paul has endorsed me in the campaign, so that's very exciting. And uh, we're just chugging along, knocking doors, raising money, and if people like this conversation and what we're talking about and they'd like to see me back in the main State Senate, then go to BreakingForSenate.com and chip in five bucks. Absolutely, and I'll tweet out that link again once this shows up as well. I definitely encourage you to go support the campaign. Um but yeah, yeah, man, I know, you know, it's tough. I, a lot of, a lot of voters like, you know, interacting with candidates directly, you know, on their front porch. Um, a lot of, you know, voters aren't as receptive and I can't imagine that like politicians showing up wearing masks on their, on their front porch. Like, <laughs> I don't think that made it any easier on anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, uh, I, I'm always worried that when I go door to door, people are gonna, you know, think that I'm some evangelist and some, you know, cult. Uh, trying to sell a religion on them. Uh, and uh, at, at least, you know, um, and the masks are a dead giveaway that you're part of the COVID cult, right? So right. Uh, I got to stay away from that. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be seen as, sold in any, as selling any religion. I just want to uh, talk with people about how we're going to spread liberty. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing worse than a masked cult member on your front porch, I'd, I'd say. Um, so we got to talk about the big news of the day, which happened yesterday. There's a horrific school shooting in Texas. 21 people were killed. Obviously, we were, you know, we're all praying for the, the victims' families. Um, the Democrats, like clockwork, um, you know exactly what they're going to do. They're, they're predictably using this to try to ban guns, and, and you know, that's, that's their playbook. Uh, they're using all the same jargon, the, the quote-unquote, just do something. You know, they're begging politicians to, quote, do something, which is the most dangerous thing you can ever ask of a politician. But look, man, every school shooting is obviously in a gun free zone. I, I honestly can't remember a mass shooting generally that either was wasn't in a gun free zone or an area 
um, where people would be very unlikely to be carrying. Um, man, I yeah, the Democrats they they they're outraged, or at least they pretend to be outraged at guns after all these things. I'm I'm outraged that these gun laws are are getting people killed, are getting kids killed. Um, things like gun-free zones. Yeah, they always want us to do something, but they never want us to do the obvious thing, like secure our schools. Right. I mean, there these are our our schools are exist in these gun-free zones, right? As you mentioned, and a gun-free zone, no gun-free zone sign has ever stopped someone from committing murder. No murderer, no person with a firearm intent on committing harm to others saw a gun-free zone sign and said, oh, geez, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to bring this here. I better go home and reconsider my plans. No, that never works. What does work and what has worked in many occasions in stopping someone intent on hurting a lot of people is an armed citizenry. I mean, there are so many mass shootings that never happened, that never got off the ground because someone was uh, ready to go and there was an armed citizen there to stop them. But we don't hear about those mass shootings. We only hear about the ones where people were defenseless and could do nothing to defend themselves. So something we could absolutely do is allow school districts, especially you know in a lot of rural school districts where the, lo- lo- the closest police officer might be an hour away, allow school districts to set their own policies where uh, where they can uh, pay teachers a little bit extra if they get emergency preparedness training and they are armed and prepared to respond and defend students in the event of an emergency. But those are the solutions about hardening these soft targets, actually protecting our kids. Those are the solutions we're never allowed to talk about. It's always universal background checks or banning AR-15s or all of these laws that criminals are never going to obey in the first place and only erect barriers to law-abiding citizens to be able to exercise the right of self-defense for them, themselves, and their community. Yeah, I mean, that you're absolutely correct. And what you just suggested would save countless lives. I mean, we're the ones actually proposing something that would actually save real lives. That's um, much better than anything the Democrats have proposed. And I was looking over at... Uh, uh, what Jim Garrity was writing about this in National Review this morning, like um, there, there's no law the Democrats are proposing that would have prevented this. Like the guy had no criminal record. He wasn't on any watch list. There wasn't anybody. Nobody had called in, you know, if like, you know, to they want these like red flag laws and stuff like that. Like nobody has called the cops on the guy. There was no reason that any red flag law would have been triggered. Like no, none of these things would have done anything. What you and I are proposing would at least have the potential to, to save these lives of these 21 people. I mean, we're the ones actually willing to, quote-unquote, do something. Arm the teachers. Harden, like you said, these soft targets. Like, if you're, you know, if you say never again and there's been 200 shootings and all this, how about try our way for once? They've never actually tried it our way. We're the ones actually proposing something tangible here. Absolutely. And this isn't something that has to be imposed from the top down. Just allow school districts the freedom to set their own policies in this regard. I mean, there are so many teachers and school staff who are, you know, retired law enforcement officers or, 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 or veterans who've, uh, who've served in our military, who have all kinds of, of training for, uh, for, for situations like these. Now, I think in order to carry a firearm in a school as staff, I think you should have to be committed to certain degree of regular training that this isn't a one and done kind of thing. Um, but, 
but yeah, there there are practical steps we can do. But it never matters the circumstances of these tragedies. It never matters if their policies that they propose would actually do anything for the specifics of what took place here. In fact, we never even hear the details. We never even have a, a full set of facts on what took place before they are already calling for gun control laws that would do nothing. So let's take universal background checks, for example. This is always what's trotted out uh, by by you know, by gun grabbers as the supposedly the most common sense thing we could do, universal background checks. And I suppose it polls well to some degree because it sounds nice. But what does it actually do? Universal background checks are easily sidestepped by uh, those who want to commit harm to others. It's called a straw purchase. You get someone else to purchase the firearm for you who isn't a prohibited person, and you sidestep the background check. I mean, uh, our, our uh, many of our federal law enforcement agencies, they, they develop this word for it of straw purchases because it's so common. So it's not going to stop criminals. But what does it do exactly? Well, for law-abiding citizens, you have to pay for that background check. So it creates a tax on gun ownership, first and foremost. I mean, that's problematic itself. But an even bigger problem is that it creates the infrastructure for a national gun registry. Because if you are requiring all gun purchases go through this national uh, background check system, well, then you are creating a record for every single purchase of a firearm that is held somewhere and can be gathered up by, by the government in order to create a gun registry. So it is one step closer to a gun registry. So it's not this innocuous common sense gun control measure that everyone can agree on. If you really think through the logical implications of it, it leads to it, it takes us one step closer to a gun control society. Yeah. I mean, we're about to find out, right, who within the I mean, we already know, <laughs> but we're about to be reminded of uh, within the GOP who's who's actually a Democrat, um, because I'm sure you're going to see a lot of like the Mitt Romney types, a lot of these these types um, go along with whatever proposals the Democrats come up with this week, you know, red red flag laws, universal background yeah. checks and all this stuff. We can absolutely expect red flag laws to 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 come back and and for them to start pushing these again, you know, taking uh, taking firearms from people who have not been charged with a crime, who uh, have had no due process and no notice whatsoever uh, because of minority report style pre-crime. It's a uh, it's a very dystopian policy that they've been advancing state by state. We've managed to beat it back here in Maine, but I expect there to be a renewed push. And of course, the big danger is the federal uh, the federal uh, proposal that's been advanced in in recent years in Washington, where they want to uh, they want to compel states to enact red flag gun confiscation laws by attaching it to federal funds. This is what they always do to get to push unconstitutional policies through the states. They take our money, uh, they ransom it back to us with strings attached and tell the states to fall in line with their unconstitutional policies or we won't get our money back. So this is something to uh, to be on the lookout for. Are there any um, Republican state legislatures um, who are moving on any of these things right now um, in terms of like allowing teachers to carry on on school property or just you know abolishing gun-free zones more generally um is there is there any movement on the state level towards any of these things that could actually help you know i can't speak for states across the country i know that when i get back into the state senate i will sponsor again a, a bill i've sponsored in the past 
uh, which we talk, basically outlining what we talked about, give local municipalities the freedom to establish their own policies for if they want to allow teachers and staff to be able to carry in defense of, uh, of, of students should an emergency uh, arise. So I, I think that's a tangible thing we can do. Um, I've seen a few other legislators propose it. I haven't seen any major action on it, but I do think that you know we cannot afford to sit back and just one let gun grabbers control the narrative as if they're the only ones who want to do something and their their policies suck. Um, so we can't let them control the narrative. And two, we should actually take practical steps to defend kids. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know it's it's. This, you know, this has been a, a we, we've created a very dangerous environment where any any uh, anyone who wants to do harm can just walk right into a school. And, um, you know, there's no there's no uh, there's no gun control policy out there that will ever stop that from happening. Only the ability to defend our schools will stop that. Yeah. I mean, just the the, the madness behind making every school in the country this soft target like this is just I don't know. I mean, it's it's sickening to me. It, it honestly is. And the only, uh, I, I mean, we, we know where guys like Thomas Massey or Rand Paul and guys like that stand. Um, but the only, I, on the Republican side, the only proposal in the last, you know, th- this morning, you know, the last 24 hours since the shooting happened, um, was uh, Ted Cruz uh, proposed, like, you know, putting a cop in every school. You know, is put armed cops, you know, in, in every school. And I, I mean, I guess it's better than nothing. Certainly, I would, I would rather go the liberty route and let these teachers uh, get the training and and carry firearms and protect the children themselves. Um, obviously, and that wouldn't cost the taxpayers anything either. Um, but I mean, like, you know, I, for all the statist Republicans out there, like, I don't know why more people haven't suggested something like that. They could say something along the lines of. You know, instead of forty billion for Ukraine, how about a fraction of that to put a cop at every school, something like that? Like, it's surprising me that like, even like non-liberty Republicans, just your your middle of the road Republican, doesn't. It seems like there should be. You'd think like a Mitch McConnell-led coalition would be proposing like stationing a cop in every elementary school or something like that. Like, it's it's fascinating to me that there hasn't ever been any movement on like the big government Republican side towards something like that. Yeah. I mean, sadly, of course, I know we, we've seen certain cases where there have been cops at schools and the cops stand by and do nothing. Right. Um, right. Like we saw in was that in Florida? Um, yeah. Uh, several years back. So, you know, I'm sure that there are some very excellent, many very excellent school resource officers out there. But I think that the also the danger is that like this, that um, sometimes the people who are because most of the time being a school resource officer is a, you know, a job where you kind of sit around and you break up fights. Right. Yeah. Or or it, it, it's not always like the the best of the best, you know, police officers who get those positions. But um, but uh, but we do have so many. And so I do think that's 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 not the worst idea in the world. It's better than nothing. Uh, but also at the same time, again, we have some untapped potential with a lot of our the folks who already work in the schools where you do have you know, retired police officers who are working uh, as teachers. You do have folks who served in our, our armed forces and people who know their way, you know, around these kind of emergency situ- situations. And um, it, I mean, how hard is it really to, to, to have, hey, you know, once a year you're going to do this uh, emergency prepare, emergency um, uh, response course to be up on your training 
and uh, there will be a firearm that is accessible to this person where in the event of an emergency, uh, they can they can take action and respond. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope that some of our people start proposing things like this, you know, in Congress and on the state level. I mean, I, we're, you know, it's, it's funny. We're, we're obviously, as libertarians, accused of not wanting to do anything. And I guess there is something to be said for that. But, you know, we've been proposing these things for years, for decades, and nobody wants to listen to us. So if you're tired of the mass shootings, if you're tired of, you're tired of kids getting killed in school, maybe try it our way. You know, maybe actually yeah. let right. let these teachers defend the, the kids themselves. Um, we right. have to talk about um, the WEF, the World Economic Forum. Um, you know, I always forget that this thing happens in Davos every year. Maybe with COVID, it hasn't happened in a couple of years. Is that why we haven't heard a lot out of these people lately? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But, like, man, the World Economic Forum is an absolute freak show. I mean, these people, I can't be the only one to say these people legitimately creep me out. Like, I... I it's like I, I don't understand how Klaus Schwab is real. Like he's a real life Bond villain. If you were a Bond villain, I don't even know if the character would work because it would be like too on the nose. Like this crazy German fascist who believes him and his friends deserve to rule the world. That they believe it's their birthright to rule the world or something like that. Have you? How much of this uh, nonsense have you caught lately? I followed it a little bit. I, I I've seen people make that exact comparison that it seems like an assembly of all the Bond villains. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, and I and I wonder <laughs> if Dr. Horrible got his invitation this year. Bad Horse must certainly be there, along with all the uh, all the great villains of our time. Yeah, and it's all of their proposals. I I, I couldn't stomach mu- much of it, but I, I tried to catch the highlights coming out of Davos, and it, it's all they're all Marxists, obviously. Their proposals are all straight out of like the the like hard left, like climate fascist playbook. I mean, for goodness, like Klaus, Klaus Schwab has a bust of Vladimir Lenin in his office, <laughs> for goodness sakes. So it's like, if that lets you know who, who these people are. And, but it's like, I, I get that Europeans have been a lot more receptive to this stuff for a long time. But honestly, I think we're to the point in America where half the country would vote for these people. Like, if they had the option, they'd vote for this tyranny. And let me know what you think about this. But it seems like the goal of this, because they're so nakedly authoritarian, where it's like, you're not... You're not like they're not trying to change hearts and minds or anything like that. They're just they're telling you, yes, you will own nothing and you you'll be happy, you know. And it's like, is is the goal of Davos just to shift the Overton window, like in the West, towards this brand of like authoritarianism? I mean, like they, I know they 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 claim to like have allies and cabinets of like free countries across the West, but it's like they, these people don't technically have any power. So it's like, are they trying to just normalize these bizarre views or, or like what what is their goal? Like what what is this freak show actually trying to accomplish? You know, it's it is bizarre to think that, you know, these ideas are so out in the open these days. So I guess perhaps that's alarming in and of itself. It used to be, you know, folks who wanted to plot to, you know, exert kind of control over the world through through globalist government. Uh, they used to have to like be quiet about it. <laughs> they had to like right. be private and have like secret meetings where, uh, you know, because the American public would say we're not going to be a part of that. Like hell no. But I, I guess it kind of goes to show how far le- how far the Overton window has shifted to where yeah, it's it's out in the open. The corporate press laps it up, and they openly admit to having people in uh, in in cabinets. 
uh, of uh, of major governments across the world. I mean, weren't they bragging about having people in Trudeau's cabinet when the when the um, they were shutting down the the trucker protests and and yeah. and all that? So yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty concerning. But uh, this has been a trend. I think this has been a trend for a long time. I know Ron Paul decades ago was warning about this trend towards global government, and a lot of people dismissed him as a you know, as a conspiracy theorist. And well, no, that was always going along and we can kind of see it out in the open. And now we can call it for what it is because they're not even hiding anymore. Yeah. I mean, the fact that this stuff is even, you know, like, look, if they, it's, it's funny that free people watch this stuff and don't just demand that these people be thrown in prison. I mean, it's like the fact that this is even tolerated and viewed as normal is a little disturbing to me. But it was like Klaus Schwab had a couple one-liners yesterday where it was it was so far over the top like they, you know I have such a low opinion of all these people to begin with but like he said one that the they are, that he said the he said something along the lines of the people in that room are building the future creepy enough and he also said that they should be able to impose their will on the global population he said that word for word which is like you know you're right that it's it's so it's so much more open out in the open than they used to be and it's just it's fascinating i i know the american people especially are just so distracted there's you know, the, the news of the day, every news cycle lasts eight hours and all that. But it's like the fact that this is just like, ah, yeah, Davos, whatever. Those guys are talking again. It's like these people are viewed as like normal, even by people like us, you know, even by like libertarians. Like, I don't know, man. Like every year when you when you see these speeches, you're like, man, I, I don't know why everyone else isn't just repulsed by this. Like doesn't have like the same visceral reaction that I have, you know? Yeah, it. you know, I... I often think about how, you know, when we when we go back to like the founding of our country and the debate was between the nationalists who wanted to concentrate power and the the Republicans and the anti-federalists who wanted to leave power decentralized between, you know, uh, within the various states. And uh, now nationalism is the decentralized <laughs> position because because we have gone so far that that we're, we're yeah we're, things are drifting towards total concentration of power in in these globalist institutions. Uh, so we've drifted very far. I, I have to imagine our, our founders would be shocked at where we are, and, and we've got to uh, we've got to defend our sovereignty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they really made the Broadway play about the wrong founding father. Um, Hamilton was the worst. In my opinion, yeah, really, I'm really waiting for Jefferson picked... to get yeah. his musical, but I don't trust the people uh, on Broadway to do him justice. It no. probably would be a pretty unflattering musical they'd make of him. I really don't want to watch a transgender Thomas Jefferson. I'll be honest, that would that would really bum me out, buddy. <laughs> I think you're right, um, Eric, my friend. Thanks so much for doing this. Let's do it again soon. Uh, where can everybody follow you online? Check out your podcast, which I highly recommend. And where can everybody uh, get involved and donate to your campaign? So you can check out my campaign at Brakey4Senate.com or follow me on Facebook with the campaign page, Eric Brakey for Maine Senate, or on Twitter at Senator Brakey. Uh, my podcast is Free America Now, though it is on pause right now as I am uh, focusing on the campaign for the state Senate. But thank you so much for having me on, Brady. It's a pleasure talking with you. Absolutely. Everybody follow Eric. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Thank you.